Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't know, I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today, because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. So I want to start, uh, Cheddar and Brian, with a quote from Richard Cody, um, Carlo player. And I, look, maybe I'm reading too much into this. I have a feeling you'll tell me that, Cheddar. <laughs> he, said it, he said he was talking about last week's game to Claire, and he was saying it's a, it's a quicker, more physical type of hurling at a different speed. It's still only January and we haven't a whole pile of hurling done to get to the pitch of the game. He said, we have to learn lessons to get back onto the field during the week and put them into practice. Hopefully we'll, we'll be better next Sunday. And this is the line I wanted to throw to you first, Cheddar, is we haven't a whole pile of hurling done to get to the pitch of the game. And I'm like, what the hell are Carlo doing? <laughs> like, is this not Carlo's biggest part of their year? Is this not a chance to test themselves against the big counties? And they're going into that not at, they should be a championship pitch, no? Um, yeah, no, I'm surprised by some of the uh, comments, uh, Wooly, and then some of the other ones, you're right, you are reading too much <laughs> into it, I think. Um, look, I would think, I suppose it just goes back to, you know, what are your goals for the year and what's the maybe the medium term goal for Carla Hurling? And certainly it is to sustain what they did, the, you know, the, the success and the, the development that they have now and try and keep that going for a couple of years and try and build, um, I suppose, the quality um, panel to be able to get up to the next step. Um but I would have thought that, you know, certainly survival in the current league and the league has not been easy now on, on, on some of these counties. Unfortunately, I think last year was a much better league for development, developing counties. But, you know, staying there is crucial to, 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 to your development. Um, and, you know, take it that, you know, Carlo, their next goal, maybe their just singular goal is to is to win Joe Mack and, and come back up again into the championship. Um, but I think they could have managed both of them very well. They have a very, very good team. Um, some of their players are backboning Carlo IT who are, who are playing in quarterfinal if it's given tonight. 
Um, and I'm just surprised a little bit about that. Now, look, some of the times players don't have a chance maybe to think of the response in these things. Yeah. Uh, you know, what Richard seems to be saying is that we, we, we need to be doing a little bit more hurling, tactical hurling, uh, game planning for the team ahead and that, and that we would be better prepared for that. Um, and But I think in the context of the game, you know, you're going to Cusick Park and Ennis, it's a very, very difficult place. They've turned over every all of the top teams down there and will continue to do so. Um, so I, I think it might have been taken out a little bit out of context. But if it isn't, I'd be surprised that, you know, there wasn't more focus done on an earlier uh, conditioning program. Get them right for the league. Um, get your hurling and your and all of that right. And, you know, give yourself the best chance to perform well in some of these matches. Being realistic, some of these are, are tough calls for Carlo. But, and you may not, you know, do genuine people will say, you know, they may not expect the, the result, but they do expect the performance. And if you get performance, you can sustain that performance right throughout the year into the Joe Mac or into the Leinster or wherever, whatever you're in. But if you get some bad beatings in that and, you know, maybe one person or two people walks away and you have whingers and all of that going in, it can turn the other, other way very, very quickly. So it's hugely important that you that you really max out on performance and, you know, get as far as you can. And and I do agree with him. You do keep learning. Everybody keeps learning about different things. Um, so, I, I, look, I, I think if you were to look at Richards and maybe put more context to it, I think it might have a different meaning, Wally. Right. And maybe in, in his defence, he might have been a little <coughs> bit embarrassed by the result and might be just m- kind of making a little bit of an excuse well, to well, not well, make well, it Well, he shouldn't be, Wally, because um, all teams... The development counties, I'll call them, um, at that level have, you know, we've, we've, Lisa went there myself, went there myself to, to uh, Cues. Now, in yeah. fairness, it was the knockout championship. I think Clare went on and won in All-Ireland in 2013, one of the years that we were there, but they beat as well. And you've got to take these things on the chin. Um, I, I think what's really important about the league, though, is, um, you know, the quickness of play, um, the the tactical play you're playing against, the standard you're playing against. That's what you should be measuring yourself again. You, you cannot walk away from that and you cannot just say, ah, look, um, our focus this year is on something else. We're not really performing here because, you, you, you know, you're contradicting yourself then. You really aren't learning anything. And the, the, the movement, the... I looked at Wexford on, on Saturday night, their movement off the ball, and that was phenomenal. Um, you know, that's what you've got to learn. You've got to learn how to track and how to tackle and how to hold up these players and at the same time be creative yourself. You cannot learn that um, at the lower divisions. And, you know, I've just been beating this drum woolly for as long as I'm on this show now that that's the only place you can learn. Test yourself against the best. Um, of course, you need to keep improving because, you know, you can't stay just testing yourself always and not improve and not get to that level but you know you certainly need to have that ethos about you yeah you know you definitely how hard is it Brian um, considering facilities and everything because I can imagine if your floodlights aren't perfect it's impossible to have a game of hurling at training you know what I mean because we know a lot of a lot of uh, club grounds and things might have shoddy enough lights that's impossible to play a hurling match under with that yeah, well, Carlo definitely don't have that complaint anyway because they have uh, fine um, facilities there in terms of their training grounds and there's a few clubs around Carlo with good lights. But yeah, to take that point, um, you know, it can be difficult, but I suppose most places now have good enough lights that you might even be able to play a possession game. And at this time of the year um, and the way the game is going, it, it's around possession games or conditioned games. And and I suppose you make the best of, of what you can do. And look, I suppose that's one one place where, where Ireland is quite good, be it the, the National Lottery grants or the... Or the you know the the grants coming from the GA, GA themselves. Facilities in most clubs are up to some sort of um, decent standard. It mightn't be it mightn't be all equal or, or brilliant in every single club, but you know most clubs at this stage have some sort of you know 
facilities that you can at least play condition games in training and it's not just the slogging on a backfield doing laps of the field at, 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 you know, at this time of the year which you know we all used to dread for, for years Right Do you have a handball alley in the club? Damien Hayes gave a, gave a big speech on handball alleys and how teams don't use them enough and the importance of them and how it gets your eye in and there's no better training for a hurler and if you're not if you're not motivated to go to a handball alley a couple of times a week yourself, you 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 won't be a top intercounty hurler. Yeah, a few points on that. Yeah, look, we're very looking. Clear. We've we've savage facilities for such a small rural area. You know, we've two fields. The top field is a, it's a relatively new field. Um, that's a carpet, and then we have um a full ball wall, um, fully floodlit. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's one of the new uh, ball walls. You know, um, done by Banner Concrete. They seem to be all over the country now. Um, we've put AstroTurf on, down on that about three years ago. So um, that has really helped. For years, um, uh, you know, a lot of teams put in these ball walls, but for some reason they put chippings in um, as the as the base at the side of the wall. And it was an absolute disaster. It used to drive me mental. Um, but you see a lot of clubs now move towards that. They have AstroTurf. The old traditional ball walls, um, I grew up playing on them down in, down in Kilkenny when I was in school in Cairns. We used to have a couple there. Um, and they used to be great because they had the side walls and obviously they had a concrete floor as well, which to me is really important because the ball has to be able to bounce back up. Um, right. So where do you say the, ast- the AstroTurf is the astro- not So the AstroTurf is, is, is now on, on the ground. So at least the ball will bounce. So okay. that's, that's that's really important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the chippings was a killer because if it hit the chippings, you couldn't work on your first touch, a low ball in your sure, first that, touch. That would make no sense to have bloody no, chippings on the floor. it made no sense. I know yeah. maybe it was, it was just cost, cost saving at the yeah. time. Until they got, you know, clubs got got um, you know enough money to get it together, but you know it just seemed to annoy me at first. But um, the old ball walls were fantastic, as I said. For as as I said, number one, the ball bounced back off the ground, maybe the concrete floor or whatever, and then the side walls were great for the, you know, for for your first touch. You know, just the ball might come back a little bit differently. Um, in terms of what Damien's saying, he's dead right in terms of the ball wall. I, I've always said this: it's your duty. Um, and not your coaches to have a good first touch it, you know going to training is to refine skills you shouldn't have to be uh, wasting the time of the coaches or <clears throat> or the manager working on your first touch for months upon months it, it's all about refinement and, and really just speeding things up in training so yes that time has to be put in away from the field and it doesn't have to be a ball wall you know a ball wall is a luxury essentially it can be the gable end of a house how many times have we heard that you know and I've done it for years myself and there is that 10,000 hour rule um, for any elite sports person, no matter what sport it is, um, or, or even musician or whatever, to be the top of any level. They generally have to put in about 10,000 hours between the ages of, you know, roughly eight and 18. Roughly equates to about two hours a day of practice. You know, obviously not every day you'll get it in, but there'll be other days you might maybe get a few extra hours in. So you need to have put that time in. And I know anyone that's playing Intercounty Hurling would have put that time in down, down through the years. It does weigh in off <clears throat> later on as you get a little bit older. And obviously there, there's many different reasons for that. We don't have much in Port Leash Club, Cheddar, but we have a, a wall ball anyways. No, we do. Um, yes. Um, I'd say, you know, Brian is right. Most clubs, certainly all hurling clubs would have. And I see a lot of football clubs use it as well. Incidentally, will you... you um, 
Um, look, they are they are crucial, and I suppose I'll go back a little bit before Brian's to the old tradition was really the gable end of the house or the wall of the house or the wall of the shed or whatever the case may be. And if you look at some of the old literature, some of the old books, um, even in, in in the recent past, when you look at you know DJ's book, and if you go a little bit back further to Nicky Rackard, and you see it, and I think the name of his book was was the Barn Door or something like that, um, and Joe Coney, all of the great players spent a huge amount of, of time at this. And if you look look back to one of the most skillful um, hurlers of all time would have been Justin McCarthy and even up to recently or even still even still um, you know he, he exhorts the, the use of the wall ball and all of that um, Would uh, modern managers see it as old fashioned? Oh absolutely do, not do, no, be, There's no oh, manager no, wouldn't it, see the oh, importance no, It's gone to a different level to be honest with you right. Woolly um, you know Brian's absolutely right you know crucial to sharpening this touch and the speed that are hands and all of that um, and incidentally you know any coaches that are listening there's a, a huge amount of YouTube stuff out there mainly driven by Paddy Butler and I'd really, really um, um, say to any coaches or at any club, you know, get Paddy down, get Martin Fogarty down to go through all of the different drills uh, that you can do um, in it. But even and it's brilliant for for coaches, for young, uh, for younger players, Willie, for spot and fix. Um, so you, you, you know, you have the players very close to you. You know, they can strike the ball an awful lot of times. You know, for example, even just simply striking the ball and hurling, where do you get the power? You know, and most people will tell you you're going to get it out of your arms. Where you know, whereas all of the coaches and all that will tell you you get it out of your core and that. Um, so what is the right lead? Is the right foot leading in the strike and all of these things? You have the player right close to you. You have good lights. You can video that. Incidentally, the next I suppose to go the extra mile really on this is to video your young players and and uh, send their forum to your conditioning coaches and you know they're able to do stills of the videos and draw little lines on where the body shape should be you know if you're really going to the absolute end degree on this right. there's an awful lot of stuff that you can do just back to um, I suppose years ago I, I can certainly remember um, I remember being at home one, one day and we used to knock it off the back wall and that and like Brian is saying you spend hours at it you spend hours at it it was nearly a form of therapy to be honest with you but it was one particular day I think there was the parents must have had guests and in our house at home the kitchen table was inside the kitchen window and um, I must have missed hit the old ball anyway we went straight through the window um, so they were having the dinner and as well as having the bacon cabbage and spuds they had it a la carte with glass um, <laughs> you know so there was there was you know, there's, all all hurlers will tell you stories about you know how, you know the amount of time they spent um, on their own I can certainly, certainly remember myself and Pat would have spent hours and hours going to there was a ball alley in St. Vincent. There was a couple of men Balafin College and we would have spent time. I often remember speaking to Paul Cody about the same. You know, that every hurler would spend a huge amount of time and Brian is right. Yeah. It's your own responsibility to get your first touch right. All good, like, I, an, like all good players. But here's Brian, maybe call, tell me this is stupid now or not, but you look at any of the Joe McDonough Cup uh, counties and you say to them, what separates them from the Tips and the Galloways and the Limericks is maybe first touch. That moves break down because that ball doesn't go to hand or a mistake by a defender. If you're saying that's on each individual, I don't think there's any excuse for not having a good touch. If you want to put in the work and go to a ball alley on your own time, there's no excuse for you not having as good a touch as a, as a player from another county. Like, is that too simplistic for me? Or is the culture not there then in those counties that they're not going in their spare time and this is an easy fix? Because it's, it's not about good coaches. It's about banging that ball up against that wall and from different angles and you getting it straight from the hurley up into your hand and do it until you bloody have it. Yeah, I wouldn't agree fully on that. Now, I think players <clears throat> at all levels have good first touch and they have the same ability to put the ball over the bar. But there's probably two things. It's one, it's the speed to do that, and two, it's the pressure under you know the circumstances in which they do it. Um, 
So down the levels, you tend to see more open games. Uh, re- it's refereed differently. Uh, they have a little bit more time on the ball. Um, and, you know, it, it's probably less physical. And I said, you know, there's many different variables. And sometimes it is is the refereeing or, or, or the players involved. Also, um, you know, at, at, at the top levels, you know, it's not that it's not that they're training harder or anything like that, but they've just simply got more quality. And you know, we we talked last week, and you know, it's, it's been widely put out about Brian Cody saying, you know, the, the genuineness of what he expects from his players. Like that's a first and foremost, and I think that's ultimately what all coaches try to instill in their players now. Um, it's easy to have a good first touch, and I actually that's not a throwaway statement. Like. Anyone can go and practice. Anyone can. We can all do fancy drills in training with any coach, no matter who it is. But it's to be able to replicate that in pressurized situations on the big games where the games are extremely physical and there's a hell of a lot actually go. Right. Okay. Is that it? Like I don't. Again, I'm. I'm probably being too simplistic on it. I. I don't see. I don't see if you're motivated to be an intercounty hurler. Why your skill levels? When a when uh, a wall ball works as well as it does, and it does work, it makes sense to me. I, You're replicating. I, I think, Willie, it's much more complex than that. I, you know, I take her point. It is one aspect to it. There's no doubt about that. I think Brian has explained it well. Um, but the the reason why, and I'm just using the developing counties that we we sort of generally speaking classify them as that, um, aren't able to break through the ceiling to the top counties is much more complex than that. And you mentioned the word culture there. Um, you know, is the culture around the hurling areas um, sufficiently strong and is the talk around that sufficiently strong that every every child goes down to the ball wall to knock, knock it off? You know, it isn't. And you, you need to develop a huge amount of, of you know, key things within within the community to, to make that happen. And and if you want to step it up, there's, I mean, there's another level than at inter-county level. Um, so you'll just think for a minute the um, the training at Kilkenny, Tipperary, Cork, Galway, Limerick, um, the inter-county training that they would have. You know, you're going to have about 40 players of a very, very high standard technically, let it call a first touch, whatever you want to. Um, so y- you just simply don't need to do any first touch. All your coaching in the, at inter-county at that level is primarily in tactical training or, you know, running phases of your method of play or your game plan or something like that. And they're able to do it because they're, they're technically more gifted but I would I would say, and I think Brian would back me up in this, that you know maybe the top ten players in the Carlos Offleys, Leash, Westmeads, Antrims, and so on are as good and would would claim a place in most uh, county teams. But the next thirty may not be anywhere near as uh, as strong as those thirty. Yeah. And it's I always think that the most important players in your panel are actually twenty five to thirty. Not necessarily, not necessarily your 15, 14, 15, 16, because they're the guys that are going to drive the fight for the jersey. Um, and, you know, these counties have that. And the quality of the training, you can go flat to the mat, whatever you want to do. And, you know, you won't have spilling a ball and all of those things. The moves won't break down. People won't lose confidence in what you're doing and all of that. So I think there's a whole pile of different things going on. And what you mentioned is one aspect, Willie, but there's an awful lot more than that. Right. OK, fair enough. There's two bits of news, lads, before we start talking about the games. So the GEA has banned um, Hurley water carriers from using walkie-talkie radio systems. So the, the, every every county is obviously trying to get a, a, a leg up on the others. So you're allowed to have your runner uh, mic'd up. The Mayor Fuerna, The yeah. Mayor, F- Mayor Fuerna, he's allowed to be mic'd up. But now Limerick last year mic'd up Brian Geary, who's a Hurley carrier. Now water carriers are, n- this is the funny thing, this applies to hurling rather than Gaelic football. Water carriers are not allowed onto the field, but Hurley carriers are. So the, when the Hurley carrier goes in to 
give a new hurl or whatever, he's mic'd up um, Brian and Limerick yep. exploited this and Wexford explo- exploited it. They were the two counties mentioned in the article that, that I, Keith Rossiter did it for Brian Geary. He's not with Limerick this year. Um, Keith Rossiter did it with Wexford. So that's been banned. No big deal here. It's just a bit of news. Nothing really much to say about it. Ah, It's going a bit too far, being honest. Like the fact that they're trying to block this sort of stuff. Um, and I even heard muted that they're trying to get rid of the mayor for an altogether. And obviously the manager can't enter the field. So they want nobody encroaching on the field. Um, with the exception, obviously, of, of a hurling carrier in, in those extreme situations. I just think, you know, we've we've a lot more bigger issues, um, that definitely in hurling anyway, than, than trying to get messages onto the field. I know I was more referring to last year, roughly in that couple of weeks I was in there. And I tell you one thing, I nearly ran as much. I'd like to see my GPS uh, <laughs> numbers on that. In and out, in between players, trying to get messages onto It's tough going. And I can only imagine what it'd be like in front of a packed crow, a crow park. It must be next to impossible to get messages onto the players. Um, and obviously, you know, you have to trust that, you know, obviously the work has to be done beforehand, but, you know, players have to try and figure it out on the field themselves as much as anything else. I think it's it's a little bit too mad. You know, I'd even have the rule now that the, the water carriers can't be someone officially, um, you know, it can't be room, a selector. Yeah, it can't be someone so, yeah. in the backroom team and it can't be one of the non-playing um, you know uh, panel, panel members. members yeah so like it's you know I can know there's there's reasons for that maybe that the, sometimes the non-playing players might get a bit heated and get involved with other players I think that's a fair point because Peter, yeah. Peter Crowley in the football squirted uh, water at one of the Dublin players in yeah. the All-Ireland final like you know the, you'd be too emotionally invested as a as a sub that's not um, or injured or whatever like that I, I don't but know that, that, sorry just a small thing on that, that that's, that's all good and grand you're playing First Division National Hurling League and you've got any amount of guys clambering to help out with teams and come along as backroom staff and go along as water water, or water carriers or hurley carriers. Go down to divisions and try and get people to come up say, say you're hurling against uh, Wicklow or you're hurling up against Derry or whatever. There's not going to be a big clamour of people to come and help you in those days. No, no problem. I don't know what benefit is is there anyways because you have your Mayor Ferner that runs in and he's allowed to be mic'd up. He'll run in with a message how many messages do you have? So you have your water, you have your hurley uh, carrier then and you, you, there's an off chance then that a fella breaks his hurl, right? Would John Kiley not just tell Geary, here, tell him this? Why doesn't he, well, I can understand Davey with Ross. Well, he might be Davey, on the other side, sorry, before Cheddar comes in, he might oh, be on the other side. Oh, he'd be on the other the side, field. is right. They're all lined all around the yes. field, isn't there? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously, yeah, there'd be a reason there, Cheddar. I, my, Brian's just answered that question. Yeah, and, and you know, Brian's spot on here. Um, well, I don't think they're talking about banning him, off, banning them off the sideline, will he? It's just really, really that they're not mic'd up. They're not mic'd up, yeah. Um, yeah. So if it's not the former, what's the problem? They're not interfering with play. They're not causing any problem or anything like they're that. They're just giving a message they're, to well, a player. Look, they can only go in if the hurley is broken. The yeah. rules are there. Yeah. Apply the rules. And, and I, I just, you know, I'm just surprised with all of that uh, type of stuff, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I just think... You know, for years and years, the GA was considered a dinosaur organisation. And here we have with a little bit of technical innovation uh, and maybe some players taking a little bit of an advantage or some teams taking an advantage by using that innovation. And is it doing any harm? I don't think it's doing any at all. Now, no. I, I think it's a bit of a knock-on from, um, you know, the Mayor Fairley going onto the field and, and maybe other fellas like myself going onto the field and so on and so on. Maybe it's a knock-on eff- effect of that. But people just need to separate what they're talking about here. What's the problem? Deal with the problem and leave everything else, you know, well enough on own. Just apply the rules, I'd say. I mean, if you wanted to knock-on 
of the that. If you wanted to cause problem with, problems with that, you could just simply get a radio frequency jammer, stick it in the stadium, and you'll have no, you'll have no. You can throw your radios in the in the bag. You might even need now a license or something like that to do it. But look, there's a whole lot of other things they could do without having a big issue about uh, about nothing really. It, well, I, I'm glad you said about nothing because here here's a story, Brian. Imagine a man breaks his hurl. I don't know anything about it. But you break your hurl, you frantically wave your hurl. Your water, the, the hurly man, if he's any good and if he's not in like a shot, he won't be used again, I can presume. So the manager has to, has to see the lad waving the hurl, has to see the water, the hurly lad running into him and then has to think of a message off the spot of what he wants to say to him. Like, I mean, what benefit even is there in having the mic'd up, number one, and even banning, banning it then, number two? Yeah, just sometimes... Yeah, I agree. Agree in those situations. Obviously, it's maybe a, a, a they want to get a message across the other side of the field, and it's just a lot easier than maybe a Murferna actually getting across. Um, it might be just harder because the Murferna can only enter from right in front of the dugout as well. There's that rule, and right. So the wa- so, so sorry, the lad with the extra hurls would be could be walking up along the other sideline and shouting in the instructions from the manager. Then is that exactly. kind of what, that's what exactly. they're that's what that's they're what trying the to is. avoid. Well, 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 I'm going back to the rules again, Willie. The rules are he has got to stay in a certain position and he can't yeah. move from there. Right now, he can come into the field. Um, look, but only, when, only when needed. Only her breaks, and look, right. we've all tried. it Brian knows we've all. Th- th- this is what happens. Um, you know, you run in with a, with a new hurley in, and you bring back the same hurley out. You give the message yeah. that same hurley out. <laughs> well, look, we know what goes on here. Um, is that not as simple as the sideline man sees you going in and uh, he sees the same hurley going back? And look, if he does take action on it, you know, rather or than reported, yeah, or reported or something like that. You know, I, I just think it's just too much for for. Uh, but for, sure, even look, I, I I agree with you. It's just too much. Even so, what if you get yeah. missed? Correct. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, like, yeah, seriously, yeah. what? Like, yeah. it's not the, the third secret of fashion. I'd agree, Brian, and I come in and I even come in stronger than that. And I would say, look, if that piece of instruction improved the game for supporters and for spectators, isn't that what we're all about? Trying to improve yeah. the game here. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think if they're interfering with play, it's different. Fully you agree. Know? Like, look, yeah. I've been involved in plenty of club game, and we had a famous incident years ago where one of the, the hurley carriers ran into one of the players. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And right in front of the referee and got away with it. Pole axe them. You yeah, know, but, but, being, but, but that not, sort of but like not that's different. Yeah, not that's being mic'd up, Brian, isn't going to fix yeah. that. No, that's true. No, exactly. Yeah. So, like that, uh, I just think we're we're putting uh, we're trying to fix something that's not broken. I think. Okay, another one here, lads. Bit of news before we move on to the matches is the ban on WhatsApp. So the use of WhatsApp, the GA have um, prohibited it. They've advised clubs not to use it. Um, because it breaches uh, GDPR and data protection and things like this. Obviously, uh, you create a WhatsApp group in the club, you add 30 different members, their photo and their number is clearly available to anybody else in the club without them saying that's okay for me to have done that. Um, So I don't really know what to think about this. There's clearly uh, an issue around giving your number and allowing some other club member have your number and stuff like that, Cheddar. It's Mm. very, very handy. There are other, there are other, um, there's a club force that 600 GA clubs use um, and it's free and it doesn't have the same issues with GDPR at all. So the GA yeah. are talking about developing their own software. They're advising against uh, the WhatsApp. Um, I'm just wondering what you think, think of it. Um, I, I suppose there's just, there's just two aspects to it, really. I suppose, Willie, look, GDPR is, is um, there's a lot of legislation around that. And, and if WhatsApp is not compliant with that, um, well, then you've got to change it because you're leaving your side, yourself wide open to litigation if you don't. Um, and I think the next point I'd make on it is it's probably different for juveniles than it is for adults. Um, and I'm not 
well enough up on GDPR legislation. But I would think that if if a, a senior team, for example, all signed into that we were happy enough to go with this, well, look, that takes. I, I would assume that that takes the uh, issue of GDPR. Yeah. Um, a little bit away from it. Um. So I I. I Probably you'd probably need a lawyer here to talk about GDPR legislation and what's compliant and what isn't. Um, I can certainly fully understand um, juveniles and that that you know that that you know and particularly you'd have really really big panels and all of that. Um, and you know and they're not allowed on the WhatsApp group. Well, their parents are are the yeah. ones that have to contribute to the but WhatsApp group. Apparently, yeah. I, I'd say there may be a lack of control on that. Um, but I, I just I I probably you know would sort of come in behind that um, Willie because you know there is clear legislation around at the minute there's some EU directives and all of that about it as well you certainly wouldn't want to be non-compliant with that and then leave yourself open um, but look it's a fantastic medium to get a message out yeah. there and, and, and so on and to be able to send some stuff down some of the other communications medium to, mediums don't allow you to send video snatches and all of that down the, down the line here so um, and I do know the GA are, are quite are, you know are, are, are quite good at that and innovative I suppose and looking at ways of doing this and there's, there's other things that they do as well um, but it if it isn't available and you can't use it you know I think the GA should certainly look at if there is other um, methods and systems out there well then the, the, you know they need to get into clubs and explain it to them and that and you know yeah no exactly like uh, I do take the point for a senior team if everybody signs up for it Brian that would probably uh, fix the GDPR issue there's another issue then as well is if somebody puts up a video uh, on the WhatsApp group and leaves the WhatsApp group the administrators can't remove that video as well or um, there's a there's a few different issues but de- definitely for management teams it's, it would be a huge loss uh, WhatsApp groups definitely like but like the point Cheddar makes I don't think it should affect senior teams I think this might affect juvenile teams where parents are are involved and are having numbers shared around you know when when that's not what they want yeah i suppose there's there's a couple of things there like whatsapp have you know released a statement yesterday saying that as part of groups the admin can invite people into a group as opposed to automatically put them into it right and that you know puts the onus back on the parent or whoever the individual is to you know when they join that group they know that their name and number and picture is readily available to everyone else in the group so the the, the person then has the option whether to opt into that group or not and I think that was a, a good move by WhatsApp to, to, to put that information back out there um, to the general public and you know it is a way to, to try and um, overcome that GDPR issue you know okay. and it is look to people that are into it personally I'm not it is a serious issue and you know the, there is an ombudsman for GDPR and all those sort of things and you know we anyone that's re- maybe involved in in um, in you know work know the importance around emails and all that sort of thing you know BCC and and, and that side of things but um, you know and just going back to club force I thought the club have to sign up to that I think there is a monetary payment for that and then obviously it's free to the individuals and I think it's something similar for there's another app out there at the moment with Clubify I think it's called okay um, and now they do have other aspects and just obviously messaging but um, that the, there are there are a couple of alternatives at the moment and it'd be just interesting to see you know obviously GA are talking about bringing out their own app um you know in the summer i just thought this message maybe could have could have waited that till they actually had a readily available um tool of overcoming this um you know because this was this was broached last year i read about this last year in in relation to the gea um you know the gdpr legislation really came into force a couple of years ago and I, i read extensively about this last year from the gea and where they didn't want um you know people engaging in whatsapp because of those fears so it's just interesting 
why it came back around this week in particular when they don't have an alternative yeah, just yet. Yeah, kind of came out of the blue all right without, yeah, it would make sense I, to I, launch I, their own one and say this. But no, in fairness to this one, Willie, I, th- I think it came up at, a, actually I think it came up at a leash meeting as, as far as I, as far as I know. Um, and, you know, maybe the person in charge of the GDPR um, really things in the county just, you know, brought this as a concern. Um, look, I'll be very surprised if WhatsApp don't find a, a technical solution to this. I know they have broadcast lists out there. You can't really PM players because that defeats the purpose of the whole thing. Um, but I'll be surprised if this is going to be an issue for GDPR. It's a much wider issue and I'll be surprised if WhatsApp don't find us a technical solution to it anyway. Yeah, and, and, and another point on WhatsApp, while it's very handy, it's gone absolutely crazy with regards unfounded rumours recently. You have the Boris Elite players um, being smeared pretty much. You have a terrible rumour going around recently about Jim Gavin, which is unfounded. Shamie Callan and Paddy Maher was another rumour. It's the, And it's the WhatsApp groups. Once it uh, ar- uh, arrives in one cheddar, it's all uh, free look, for all. It's desperate stuff. I know that, but will you look, it doesn't need to be in any WhatsApp. If a person wants to start a rumour, he just needs to say, I saw an email the other day or I saw a text. Or, yeah, but or it's I, spreading or, like wildfire with the WhatsApp the though. I know it does, but um, look, that's where the world is. We're not going to be able to stop that. Um, yeah. I think what is needed in those situations is genuine GA people to stand up and kill those things early and speak in favour of players or managers or, or whoever. Um, and anybody that they come in contact with that tells them or says, no, I, you know what I heard? I was in the pub last night and I heard this. And, you know, if you don't think it's true, tell them straight up, you know, keep it, you know, I don't want to hear it, so keep it yourself. I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, so I think that there's a probably responsibility in all this. Look, this is where the world has gone and everybody has got, got to face the same thing. We just see it with politicians at the minute, where you know, where they are. You know, everybody's caught up in this and, you know, it's probably going to be a number of years down the line before the thing will start to bottom out again that, that you know, these type, type of things will go away. Yeah, I never send on stuff like that. I just wouldn't. Morally, there's enough stuff going on around about me without yeah. forwarding on. So I, yes. I think there's another thing. Well, what's important? Teams need to have protocols when they're using WhatsApp. Um, and you know, anybody that steps out of those protocols within the team, you know, does he deserve to be in the dressing room in the first place? I know that's easy to say at county level and at, at senior level and that. You know, maybe it's just a junior level. It might be a little bit different where your your commitment to the team and that may not be the same. Um, but you know, if you have protocols, that's your part of your manager's job as well and part of you know, part, I suppose, of the culture within the organisation and that. Yeah, OK, great stuff. We'll come back with some analysis. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often then take on a life of its own. What's tactics? I mean, you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide what you're going to do and at the end of the day, you hand it over to the players and the players play, you know? The game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really, you know, and... You don't have too much influence on what's happening. What happened last year, it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was. Tipperary, don't go away. The air is the air. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often then take on a life of its own. All right, a little bit of analysis here, lads. And the big game, you'd have to say, this weekend has to be Clare versus Wexford because two of the top teams in the country. And we have, of course, Davy versus Brian Lohan. Two friends, teammates, um, turned, let's be honest, nemesis, rivals, uh, enemies at this stage. Like, let's be honest, the, it all started when UL played LIT. Um, and Brian, we all know this story 
that UL were the favourites. They had the stars to the team and LIT got off the bus, came in through the hedge and started warming up on the UL side of it. Beat UL against the odds. Lohan didn't like it at all. Didn't did he, Himself and Davy had words after it. And it's pretty much gone downhill since then where there has been no let up really in the, in the, in the kind of, I don't know, public animosity. Uh, yeah. animosity yeah. Yeah, it, you know, and it's so unfortunate because they were they were almost a, a duo, like you they know, were, yeah. Davy Davy being the goalie and Brian Lawton with so iconic with the red helmet and such a stylish fullback, you know, I'd be the last of those type of fullbacks as well, you know, like they really came as as a pair, and it is a pity to see so much of this happen, you know, and so much of it probably out in the public. Um, sphere, you know, of of their fallout, and you know, Brian Lawton spoke at length about it last year, and you know, it is it it is a pity, but um, you know, I suppose that's life, and that's that's just the way that it goes. Uh, it, it 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 adds to the drama about uh, Sunday as well, though. That's 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 great from the general public's point of view, and it just you know, you're going to relish it, and down down in Wexford as well, there's a real partisan crowd down there, so they're going to get behind their man. And, I suppose a, a little added twist in there. Brendan Bugler, um, yeah. after winning the All Ireland with with Clare, is down there down in Wexford. Um, you know, involved. The surprising thing if I see with Bugler and is that he's he was muted as being a forwards coach. Well, I don't Con- know is that no, well, to Mac- throw people right? Maybe like, because Conor McDonald said that he did the media yeah. day in the club launch, and I have this down in my notes that he's a forwards coach. Couldn't possibly, could he be? That could be just look another thing, a little thing that David could be throwing out there. Look, let let people believe that, let them, you know, <laughs> let no one know what's actually going on inside the circle. So like little nuggets like that, I would not be surprised. Um, Bugler was involved with Sam Flannans there the weekend. Uh, they beat ourselves in, in Temple Moor there um, last Saturday. They played a very structured game, played a sweeper. Now what? Sorry, seventh defender I'll call it because he got up the field and he hurt his big time up the other end of the field. So you could see. Why Davy has him down there, um, you know, because they obviously think about the game very, very similarly and have the same values and and and, and what they expect from from their hurling teams. Right, interesting. Now, Brian Lowe, and the last thing he said about Davy is just to be interesting to see them on the sideline, Cheddar, uh, because we know what Davy's like on the sideline, and Brian would be a, a much more kind of relaxed sort of individual. He said he said about Davy on the sideline. I don't know if it's genuine passion. We're all passionate about the game. We show it in different ways. So you know, he's a very he has his way of doing things, and people kind of have to fit into that. But some of the antics, they're not great. So there'll be no handshakes this weekend anyways. It's a bit, it probably is sad to see that. But look, um, it, I don't know would that rivalry between those two overshadow the game or no, how it would feed into it. It, it won't. It's the first uh, question. It's the, first, it's the answer to your question. Um, both of them will be totally committed to their team. Um, I'm not going to add to any of that. Just to make two points, um, a little bit disappointed um, that, you know, that the relationships between the two have broken down considering they were, you know, as, as um, Brian has alluded to, they were, that they were obviously huge friends for, for a long, long time. Um, I can understand it. Both of them are, I know both, and both are very, very driven men. And, you know, sometimes things like that happen. And my last comment in it is, is I, I just think both of them, you know, they may not be friends again, although I certainly would like to see some influential people in Clare bringing it back together again if that was possible. Um, but just, look, stay away from the public domain in terms of comments yeah. and views and that and just tone it down and, and, and let it go. You know, life's, there's much more important things in life than just scoring points off of each other and that is, what, is all I would say on it. 
Right, okay, fair enough. Well, you were at Wexford Leash last Saturday night then, so how good were Wexford? Uh, Eddie Brennan said, there were a lot of things that please me, this about the Leash performance, he <coughs> said, obviously, he said, I think Wexford rolled out three players short of the stronger, strongest team. Um, we were all over the place in the first 12 minutes with Wexford's running game. Um, I, I'd, I'd probably disagree with Eddie a little bit in that, and I'd speak more positively, um, and I, maybe I'll speak about Wexford first. Um, their movement, their their fitness, first of all, to be able to play the, tr- the game that they're trying to play is of a very, very high standard. Um, and their movement um, off the ball, and some of the movement is definitely pre-planned to drag you out of space and to make space and those type of things, um, was was quite impressive. Except, except that the next piece on it, the execution of distribution of the ball to the right man in the right place to get the score, um, probably didn't really work for them. Um, so I, I have to say I was very impressed with a lot of aspects for Wexford. They're in really, really good place. Um, you know, next uh, Sunday is a fantastic match for them to test themselves um, because, you know, Clare are used to in training over the last seven or eight years uh, playing that type of game and tracking players all over the field. The difficulty with that is if you can perfect that really well, it disrupts you. Because um, you are now, you know, tearing around the field to make sure that, you know, their player is not getting into the open space to pick the pass and that type of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, you are not in your right place now to be able to get your game plan going. And sometimes the pressure can be too much on your break. Um, and I'll just come back to Eddie's point. I thought actually Leash, you know, Leash were, con- were missing a, a number of players um, last Saturday night on top of the number of players that we know that are going to be missing anyway they're, they're missing a few players through injury and that and some of them are forwards that certainly would you know would you would expect them to score some scores for you um, but there wasn't that much in it um, up to maybe the last 15-20 minutes uh, maybe la- maybe the last 20 minutes and you know certainly Wexford fitness levels and more than anything else I suppose their mobility around the field um, you know I, I'd say Leash ran out of steam a little bit at that stage Um but I, I thought, you know, and, you know, I'm obviously looking at the game here through rose-tinted glasses. So I, you know, I thought that Leash handled that um, tracking of Wexford players and cutting off the options and that, you know, pretty well for a long part of the game. And, you know, I'd be interested to see, you know, how other teams will handle it because I just think that if Wexford get their distribution from defence right and get, you know, link up that type of play where they either had to pick the pass or pick the pass to space, similar to what they did in the All-Ireland semi-final, they're, they're, they're certainly still on an upward curve. They're, they're, they're certainly still improving. And, you know, I think they're a major threat. The one little thing I would say about him that I've just constantly said about him maybe over the last couple of years is that their their ability to be able to take that um, score under pressure or take that score in very small space, you know, being very, very clinical on the ball needs to improve for I think for for them to win in All Ireland, I think. And you know, I, I constantly reference uh, John McGrath bubbles in that type of play. Whereas their work rate and their uh, movement off the ball and on the ball and support play and all of that is of a very, very high standard. But when the, the creation of the actual scoring opportunity and the execution of that scoring opportunity, I think we'll have to improve before you'd say, yeah, they're definitely on track to win in All Ireland here. Right, okay, that's uh, that's interesting. Just on the running game, Brian, how do you counteract the running game? Like, I mean, is this a matter of some players switch off and don't track? You know, like I mean, how Don Logan last Saturday night? We I spoke to Damien about it. Talked a lot about um, the spare hand, and the players are using that cynically now to kind of maybe half pull a pull a player back. Is that what you kind of have to do against Wexford to try and stop this running game? Yeah, definitely. And look, that's been that's a big part of the game for quite a long time now. I think that's you know I know Don Logan has been on about this for the last couple of years, and he's actually right. But it's a big part of the game. It's a big part of the way you coach people how to tackle. You know, like deny 
the, you know, and, and then, you know, try and hold them up with the hand. And, you know, it, it does lend itself to football, but, you know, you, you, what you don't want, and which are probably more traditional, so you don't want your players coming in with a big shoulder charge because, number one, odds are you're going to miss them. But two, if you do hit them, it led, leads to these big, you know, head hits, head high hits, and that's what leads to the right card. So that's where you go mad. You, you coach your players to, to use that spare hand to actually... Um, hold them up in possession and, and, and try and dispossess them then or you know stop them from playing the ball away um, the running game is very hard to counteract if only I knew how to do it a little bit better I could have got it over the line on Saturday um, or, or tried to relay those messages but you're right like you need you need players switched in that you know maybe forwards in particular when when an awful lot of time forwards obviously are so concentrated and winning the ball and scoring but the minute they're out of possession that they have to become defenders and yeah, yeah. proper defenders and tracking runs probably lends itself to football and footballers are probably more natural at doing that but well, hurling we're, well, well, it's, we're it's, slower yeah, to get into but it but just on that Brian Jim McGuinness won in All-Ireland because teams hadn't copped on and forwards hadn't copped on about work rate and tracking yeah. and he won in All-Ireland and now everybody knows about it that the minute that turnover happens Everyone on the team is like a defender. That message hasn't yeah. sent through to hurlers maybe yet, and that's why Wexford. It is, it is, like in terms of like it's in it's there in terms of like in Kilkenny were probably the the first team to really start doing it. That tackling ferociously hired up in the forwards, you know, and trying to stop the ball at at source, back down in the, in the opposition's half, and and try and hold it up there and turnovers and all that. But tracking runners is a different thing completely. That yeah. you know yeah. that's probably slower. To that's new. To yeah, that's new. You know, and, and I know personally it's it's a horrible thing to do. You're playing half forward and the next minute your wing forward is bombing up the field or wing back, sorry, is bombing up the field and you know, they're taking you out of your comfort zone. Instead of you 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 looking for your defender to mark you, you end up having to do the marking and it's something that's completely ailing to you. So it's 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 tough. And if a team like Wexford who are very, very adept at it and they use their, their spare defender really well the, the, they use their possession really well and often as we see what Wexford now those defenders or that seven defender is getting up the field and creating overlaps and scoring opportunities that's very very hard to counteract that's the thing tracking a lad with the ball is easy cheddar tracking a lad who makes a run that doesn't have the ball you're kind of like Meh. I'm not too sure I want to go after this lad. <laughs> yeah and it's even more sophisticated than that Willie um, and I think Wexford are well on on the road for this um, and look Limerick do this brilliantly that's why I'm so keen on Paul Kinnerk Um it, it, the run has some purpose to it it's not just running around like a chicken um, the run has some purpose to it you simply cannot let him go yeah. um, so you know I, I'll put it in context would you let TJ um, or Joe Canning go you know if you do they'll ping you know in hurling you can ping the ball to hand in seconds from 50-60 metres easily oh, and, oh, or uh, in the roller from the goal can ping the ball to a corner forward in what maybe 20 seconds um, so you simply cannot leave people go and that's the difficulty Brian has explained the difficulty really you might have a set of forwards with an absolutely brilliant game plan but they're all in the wrong place and you know your game plan now is a little bit more difficult and it's a little, little bit more difficult for you to get um, a foothold in it and it brings it back to something else Willie uh, f- first of all I, I predict that hurling you know, some the, the next breakthrough team in hurling is going to get this really right. And a corner forward will not be really, he'll be just a nominal corner forward. He'll turn up a corner back and he'll work the ball up the field. He, you know, it'll be that type of player. And I think when you look at Wexford, some of their big players that over the last couple of years 
would have been positional players. Um, you know, it might be Liam Ryan or it, it, it might be, um, you know, those type of players who are big uh, physical players holding their position. They're not holding it now, I can tell you. They're bombing up and down the field there as well as anybody else. Um, so I, I think the, the type of player you have is going to change a little bit and the type of training you're going to do is a little bit different. You know, you need athletic, flexible uh, players with good touch, um, and with good peripheral vision and, and good understanding of where they need to be and all of that. And I certainly see a lot. And I'm, I'm actually very interested in Brendan uh, Brendan Bugler uh, being in with Wexford. You've know, got to bear in mind, I, I hear what you're saying about him, that, you know, maybe he's a forwards coach. Maybe, you know, maybe he's maybe he's looking at that middle third. But you've got to think about him. He was a very, very offensive wing back. And, you know, why can't an offensive wing back who understands the type of ball that, go, that needs to go up the field? He understands the first part of that. He also understands that he can only give that ball up the field if the forwards are tackling like animals. And, you know, I think there there's some little secrets here to, to that, you know, that sort of underpin that type of game, that if you don't get them right, you're not going to be able to really be able to play that game. And I think Bre- Brendan played like that when he was playing. Yeah, OK, that's fair enough as well. Wexford have 11... We, we're used to seeing this from Wexford. Wexford had 11 different scorers against Leash. And in, interestingly, Kilkenny had 12 different scorers against Dublin, Brian, isn't it? Like, I'd say 10 years ago, you, this wouldn't have been the case at all. I'd say defenders cleared it up to the forwards and the forwards went to score. And I don't know, is it a combination of players getting up to support t- attacks or is it other teams dropping off them and leaving halfbacks kind of free for a shot? You know what I mean? It, it's a combination of a couple yeah, of it's things. Yeah, co- definitely, definitely a combination of both. And, um, you know, the, the, the halfbacks... In, in in today's game, obviously not all three of them are going to bomb up the field. All, there's always going to be one trying to trying to play a space, whether that's centre back or a wing back fa- falling into the pocket or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're definitely more supportive in their runs, trying to get up the field and create that overlap situation. And then, as you said, sometimes they're just there in the pocket and they're able to have those pot shots. I automatically springs to mind of Dermot Burns. You know how many times have we seen Limerick work that ball out to Dermot Burns all in, all on his own and from 78 meters he's able to put that ball over the bar. And I know people will say the slitter is lighter. It is slightly lighter. It hasn't changed that much over the years like players are striking the ball more fluidly and better hurls are better there's a again players are stronger there just there is a number of factors there why why players are to put the ball over from 17 80 meters now quickly here we, we mentioned something about this uh, recently myself and you brian I'll, I'll remember it when we start talking about shane o'donnell was interviewed about the league and he was talking about i never really realized this is that division 1b is the leinster championship plus clare and then Division 1A is the Munster Championship plus Galway. Like, you would prefer a bit of a mix, but Shane O'Donnell doesn't like the mix. He wants to play Munster teams, which I was surprised about. He says, personally, I like to play against the players I'll be playing against in the Championship. I think it's down to me as a, being a corner forward. I like knowing the person I'm going to mark. I like to know how he likes to play. I like building up confidence from having previously marked that player. Other people might look at it differently, but that's my take. Oh, that was it. Parik Walsh said it about Tullerone playing novelty teams that they yeah. don't know anything about. That was it, Brian. I would have thought a defender would prefer to get a heads up on what Shane O'Donnell is going to do. I understand it's important for both, but I would understand that Shane O'Donnell's kind of element of surprise. Brian, you're the, you're the corner forward. Cheddar was too. You're the corner forward scorer. Cheddar was the target man. I would imagine that uh, it, it was. it's more important for the defender to know the forward than the other way around? Well, firstly, I suppose, Shane, there is hurling outside of Munster. That's the first thing <laughs> I would say. A little bit of a, um, snobbery there, in fairness, you know, God forbid that some other teams might come and, and play against the, the mighty Munster teams. I don't know. I, I, 
obviously he said it himself but that's his view on it and he's fully entitled to it but um, you know if, if Clare or whoever and Munster have ambitions to go on and actually win an All-Ireland series you're going to have to come up against teams in Leinster um, well, so, you're you're getting you no, know. you're you're getting defensive about Leinster now. I don't think it was a dig at Leinster. This could have been any team. He basically the point he's yeah, making. Yeah, but the teams he plays in championship, like that's my point, though. Like the point he's making is that he wants yeah, to. Play, he wants to play the whole season. If you want to win All Ireland, which is the ultimate goal for, as I said, for for I would think nine out of ten intercounty teams that are playing um, in Leinster Munster this year is to win All Ireland. Like you yeah. have. You, you want to have to play to them, play. yeah, yeah, and that's a so, fair point, yeah. So that that's my point is that you're going against that. We're, we're looking at those comments as they are. That's a viewpoint of I'm actually only interested in the Munster Championship because they're the only teams I'm going to come up against. Okay. So that that that's the point I'm trying I'm trying to get back across. To go back to the point that you asked me, uh, I yeah, forwards generally I kind of said it earlier. Generally, you want the back marking you, and you're you're trying to create space, and you don't really think too much about the you know you, you try to think of I'm going to play my game um, and try and figure out and create space and make movement and come off the shoulder of different players or whatever make a run for a ball and it's up to the back to figure it out and counteract me there, but he definitely has a point as well um, you know you you do hurl differently on whoever you're marking again players spring to mind for me would have been say if I was marking Paul Murphy I knew particularly the way Kenny played Paul Murphy was unbelievable attacking the ball bald headed like literally going out like a train and whether it was high or low he attacked that ball and he just brought it forward in front of him and the one thing he didn't want to do uh, with Paul Murphy say if you were hurling at 15 was run in a straight line run out the field towards that number 12 position because Paul Murphy invariably come out of it if you think about it how many times have you seen that yeah. if you were marking someone like Paul Murphy you'd have to be saying right I have to make diagonal runs I have to get to the other side of the field I have to try and turn the tide so that I'm not being caught in these situations you know where you'd be looking hopefully that your number 14 or even 13 will be getting across in those diagonal runs and you're doing vice versa at the other side so yeah he definitely has a point in that yeah what do you think Cheddar? um just on a couple of the points, Willie, I'm surprised and maybe, you know, like everything else, uh, you need to go back and look at the context of the interview and the flow of the interview and that. Well, I'd be surprised that he said he just wanted to play Munster teams to to learn because certainly most of the Leinster teams play differently. And, you know, if you want to learn and test yourself and figure out how to play against um, opposition methods of play and all of that, well, look, it's the best thing to do is to play against them. That's the best way you're going to find out. Um, I'm not surprised um, that... He's analysing um, opposition, and I'm particularly not surprised that it's Shane said that. Um, and I, I think, look, all teams do that. Like, I, I would think an inter-county management team, manager and coaches, if they don't have a dossier on every team they're going to play this year, on every player they're going to play this year, his weaknesses, his strengths, and all of those things, to be able to have that discussion with the player that's going to play on him on the following Sunday... Not so sure that they're doing their job at that level. I read the one you had about was with Offaly years ago too, Cheddar, by the way. Oh, go on, Brian, fill us in there. <laughs> we were playing Leash. I don't know, was it a What did he say about you? What did he say about you? genuine copy? Ah, no, I was too old to finish to that stage. So. <laughs> um, I know, I don't know if it was a genuine one or it was the one made up by our management. But uh, there was definitely one circulated around our, our uh, dressing room one time. So uh, it's quite believe, funny, actually. Only believe half what you hear, <laughs> Brian. Also. No, but on, on a serious level... Um, and I am thinking that that's a joke, Brian. <laughs> uh, no, on a serious level, look, look, um, 
um, and this goes back, there's a lot of things that we discuss here that are relative to a lot of parts of the, of, of the conversations. When you're under pressure in any walk of life, you revert to type and you revert to your habits that you have formed since you were probably a child. Um, and, and that's how it's difficult, so difficult to coach teams to play in a different way. But if a players have certain habits and you can put enough pressure on them, you can absolutely bet your bottom dollar. And we've looked at enough videos now over the years to, to prove this point that they'll play the way you expect them to play. Um, so, you know, let's just talk, for example, about an air game and the way a player approaches the high ball coming in. Whether you're a defender or whether you're a forward makes the difference. And you know, Paul is, or, or Brian has given a good example of, a, or given a different example there. If you know that in advance and you can disrupt that player in terms of what he's doing, either bring the ball to ground or whatever, um, look, doesn't it give you an advantage? And isn't it right then that you need to be sort of, without going overboard on it, you kind of go in with a whole folder of things to a player and overload him with information the week before the game. Um, but he's, you certainly can give him some key statistics about what players do, which I think would be of major advantage to you. And um, I think what Shane is saying here is, um, look, this is what we would have been doing with Claire over the last couple of years. We have a dosher on every player in Munster, and maybe that's why he wants to play Munster teams. Um, so if I'm playing on on whoever, um, Shane Fives or something like that, you know, Brian has explained one of the things that Paul does that you simply cannot allow to happen. He has Paul Murphy's a hugely strong man. Um, if he's going hip to hip with you out to the ball, there's probably just going to be one result in that. And when he gets it, he's gone three or four meters ahead of you. Um, you know, so Brian's just explained one way of disrupting Paul Murphy. And you know, Limerick done another thing to Paul in Turles a couple of years ago. They they ran out and popped the ball over his head and then turned him for goal. You know, so so. Somebody somewhere, um, you know, taught through a solution how to figure out um, to to try and 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 uh, take Paul's strengths away. I don't want to. Uh, Paul Murphy's a fantastic player. Yeah. Fantastic well, player. you understand your but point. You He's a straight like he will take you in oh, ball and he get a big cheer from the crowd, and without that's his a, game. Yeah. Without a doubt, he will. So look, I'm not surprised, um, and I would be I would be surprised that management don't have dashers on every single player. And bear in mind. The other side of that, um, you're, so you're playing a monster. You're going to be playing all of those counties every year for the next 10 years. Um, so if you're in 19, you're Kyle Hayes, 21 years in Limerick. Um, he's unlikely to change hugely his way of playing in the next 10 years. You only need to do it once and, and stick it on the computer and you have it for, for good. Um, you might have a different player to play next year. You could be playing in a different way. And Willie, that goes back a little bit to the conversation I had about Limerick last, uh, the, the last I hear that sometimes it serves you to tweak things as you go along because the opposition has done so much analysis on you and does so much video analysis of you um, that you can take it that they know everything about you. It would, you know, you need to bring something slightly different to the table here to just to, just to, throw, them off, to throw them off their game a little bit. Yeah, no, well, that's it. I suppose it's about forwards having a lot of varieties through the game. So that dossier, you know, there's too much for it back to be thinking of yeah. maybe. That's it. Right, great stuff, lads. We'll come back with uh, predictions next. After the match with uh, you know with Marty Morrissey and the Marty squad, and you know the big the big thing for me yesterday with Clare hey, versus Galway was hang on, hang on, did you ask permission to do the Marty squad there? Well, uh, well, well, I, well, I didn't, <laughs> but, I didn't, but I was only a special guest. Last Thursday, you asked me the same question when I started bubbles, and I said yesterday on the Marty squad, says yes, I would have started bubbles for that game yesterday. That was the first I heard of Johnny King coming back with the Galway squad. You know, I was asked this in the Marty squad. Here, Damien, are you getting paid for Marty squad jokes on our show here? <laughs> That's three. Wait, no, I do, I, do, I, I do that completely voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, prediction, so lads, we'll fly through this here because, as usual, um, we're gone over time. So we have Cork and Tip in Parky Keeve. Um, that's at seven o'clock. This is on Air Sports. So I suppose the big talking point about Cork, lads, we touched on some of this on Monday, is we're not going to judge them on one game up in Waterford, but we're probably judging them on last year as well, Cheddar. And it's like, I mean, Kieran Kingston's coming in. There was a very, very a bang of the same old, same old. Do you know what I mean? Of the last few years, they've two great under 20 teams. Fair enough, they failed at the final hurdle, but a lot of talent. And on the evidence of Saturday, it was, for me, it was disappointing looking through their team and looking like Kieran Kingston's going with the same kind of lads again. Yes, to an, to an extent. But look, Woolley maybe just doesn't have alternatives. Um, although I did... Th- I did a lot of lads with Fitzgibbon maybe, so in correct. his defence. Yeah, yeah, in his defence. He just may not have the, the personnel that he wants to use. Um, but I, if I wouldn't maybe comment on last weekend. Although it was, you know, it, they shouldn't allow it to happen, particularly new management coming in. Um, and, you know, you need to find some form here pretty quickly. And look, Munster is a bear pit. So is Leinster, but, you know, we're just having a Munster here at the minute. You need to be ready to go at the right time. Um, and I, I just... Think I think I commented before on this. Um, I'm I'm not sure that they have enough quality defenders that can defend properly and that can tackle properly. I think they've got really good defenders that can carry the ball out of the defence and play the possession game that they're very very good at. And on the other side of the field, they certainly haven't enough players forwards who can tackle. They've got brilliant, yeah. skillful players. Um, you know, but I've said this uh, this a number of times that. The, the you know as a forward you depend on quality ball into you and you know Brian has explained in terms of making the space in the diagonal run and that diagonal run might be only 10 metres but you're dependent on your defender having enough time and enough space to be able to ping the ball to you or wherever or wherever it's, it's to go and Cork depend hugely on this but that whole game plan depends hugely on a hard tackling and, and a really, really good tackling forward line. So you have responsibility, of course a forward's responsibility to make himself available to get the ball and create the score but he can help himself greatly in that by a really, really good tackling game plan and that's what, I suppose that's what set Kenny apart more than anything else in 20 years and I don't see that in Cork. Um, I see a lot of other players I, I can actually see it, you know, visually they'll do something really good, creative and if the move breaks down or the ball is turned over, the they stand. actually stand yeah. And yeah. look at it, yeah. and you know, I, 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 I'd imagine I could be wrong, but I'd imagine they mightn't even get into a Brian Cody panel. And I think you know nobody's saying that they need to become killers, um, but the, I think they do need to raise the percentage tackles that they put in. And you know, maybe I'm wrong here, and I'll just finish on that point. I understand that over a long, over a number of years, um, that Henry Shefflin's key statistic was he was by far and away the highest tackler on the Kilkenny team and turn over a ball. And nobody ever, I mean, uh, uh, people always spoke about his influence in the team and his scores and his shot creation and all of those things. But actually, it was the other thing that maybe set him apart from everybody else. And I just think that if Cork got those two, they have, they have serious, serious talent. I saw their team in the under-20 final in Port Leisure, under-semi-final um, last year. Um, and uh, they're, they're, um, they have some serious talent coming up. And I will absolutely say this with certainty, that 
you know, there are some fair teams around at the minute, but Cork really have the underage structure in the right place, and I think they may very well dominate for a number of years. And in the sense, they have a very, very good management team um, in their team at the minute as well. And I, I'll, I'll suggest that the next manager of Corks within that group, I think Pat McCahy is in it, Christy O'Connor is in that group. There's some serious, you know, serious hurling thinking men in that group, and I think they will they will sort that out. I think. Um, I think he's got to wait until he's all his players back to be able to do that. Right, don't look over the minors as well. Of course, the last time Kingston came in, he shocked. Was it Tipperary, the All Ireland Champions in 2017 in Turles? It was a brilliant game. I was at it, and this was the st- when we first saw Coleman and Fitzgibbon, and we saw Kingston and these lads, and we saw the Nash puck outs where he was poking it into space and the movement of the half forwards. And since then, that Nash puck out has been kind of found out where that space isn't is easy to create I suppose Brian and they've struggled off those puckouts and they don't have any enforcers or divilment or, or I do take Cheddar's point of view or point that they stand up they don't, they're, they're, they don't seem to have that ravenous work rate that other teams have No I think I think Cheddar summed it up perfectly now they have brought Damien Catalan back in he didn't get very very little game time last year and he's that type of raw individual now they had him on the half back line and he popped up the field and I think he got he could even have got three points for a finish um, aside of the game you probably wouldn't have seen from him but yeah. up front know, though you he, see up front, yeah no no I agree but even a, yeah but, no, but you see their backs aren't they're not raw enough they're, they're conceding way too many scores yeah. you know essentially when it gets down into it but is that like because the, the work rate up front is there's a knock on like a backs yeah, look, are only a, as yeah, good as their yeah yeah I fully, I fully take that point but like the, the thing for me would be the fact that it got into a battle against Kilkenny last year there was only going to be one winner then. You just knew it. You know, knowing very little about hurling, you just know that. And and Kilkenny were always going to bring the battle that day. And that's where Cork have failed time and time again. You know, any good All Ireland winning team, they have to have a mix. Um there has to be horses for courses. But fully take the point, um, all forwards have to be working their ass off. The game has completely moved on. Um, and and they have to be working so hard, but they've 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 gifted players, you know. Like obviously yeah. Patrick Horgan is arguably one of the forwards of a, of a generation. He's spoken along with Christy Ring as as one of Cork's best ever hurlers. You know, Alan Cadigan on his days just gifted. You have Mark Coleman. You have, you have Dara Fitzgibbon. They're beautiful hurlers on the ball. They're like they're, they're magicians. But it's that other, that steely side to the game that Cork are certainly missing. And yeah. like I, I thought John Myler last year brought in Aidan Walsh to try and bring in that side of it as well. Um, yeah, but Aidan, you know, Wal- Aidan Walsh isn't a like Aidan Walsh played football for long enough. Like Aidan Walsh gets dominated in games. He doesn't have devilment in him. No, Aidan I know Walsh that. Is, a, is they, they, actually a timid sort of fellow. I think. Yeah, they brought him in looking at his physicality. He's a huge athlete. He's a huge athlete, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think he, he uses it. No, he no, doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, 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 not at all. No. Which is disappointing. Like, if I was a manager, of I can see why they tried him. Yeah, that that was their thought process. Obviously, uh, you know, a ball winning half forward or even a full forward to try them last year. You know, yeah, he should be horsing into fellas with the size of Aidan Walsh. I've said this in football as well, but not to get too caught up in it. Get predictions here quickly, Cheddar. We move I, 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 I just want to go back on that point. On. Um, I think Aidan Walsh is a different type of player. I think he has a real role to play as a wing forward, air game, um, so on. Um, I think what they're really missing, and they may not have it, like, you know, there's no point in talking about it. If you don't have it, you don't have it. But they're really missing that grafting type player at 11. And when you go back through Cork um, over the years, you go back through Tim Crowley, you go back through Gerald McCarthy, and I can go back a little bit further to Pat Hegarty from Yahal, who were 
you know, you call them here one time uncompromising hurlers um, who just made things happen um, around the team. And I suppose the best of them all in in in, in our time was John Power from Kilkenny. Yeah, there were there were there were selfless players who you know may not have been rated as being the skillful players in the team and all of that, but by God, you would take them out of it, and 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 then you'd really know that they were missing. And I think you know Brian will explain this an awful lot better. Um, you know, in terms of sort of forward play, that you know when you have a player around like that. They, they suck in defenders to them they, cre- they just give you that small little bit of space that the top players at this level just need to be able to, to get the shot away in that and just it's Cork seem to be missing that type of player at the minute and they, the last two they had on the half hour no coincidence the one other was Niall McCarthy and Timmy McCarthy you know Timmy was coming towards the end of his career but brilliant um, at, at doing exactly what he wanted win prime possession yeah. running with the ball offloading to the likes of Ben, o- ben O'Connor Jodine etc and Niall, so Mc- Niall, McCar- Niall McCarthy was a very combative player wasn't he he really oh, totally, did get stuck yeah. in yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. No, look he'd, he'd take his point on, on you know when needed as well he had a couple of really big All-Irelands and that always was a bonus That that's what you wanted from, from that was a bonus if they ch- chipped in with two or three points you had your you man know? in try as well centre forward didn't you another similar type of player was he at least skillful he was a different player yeah. Uh, he was a different player yeah. he was a gifted but distributor he was able to mix it he was able to mix it too if he needed to be you know in fairness to him you know he was able to, he was able to look after himself but he was gifted yeah. he could make yeah. the ball sing he, he could play it either way to be fair to him right okay so I'm half right <laughs> alright so we'll we'll get a call on this lads just in one word Cork or Tip Cheddar um Look, I'll go with Cork. I think they have the just they just I know Tip have to win it as well, but they're probably in a different place. I think um I, I I suppose you just need to know in terms of having Fitzgibbon players back and that. I know Cork are used to see one last night. Um, you know, will they have some players back and you know, are they gonna be playing on Sunday? But I just think they have to got to step up here and, and on their own ground and that they've got to win it. Okay, what about you, Brian? Quickly. I'll go with Tip. I'll go with Tip. Okay, Westmead Waterford, we're not gonna look at that one today. Limerick Galway is probably the game of the weekend, really really out but there's three great games this weekend. Cork Tip Clare Wexford uh, Limerick Galway Leash Dublin is a big game as well we'll cover that a little bit on Monday Dublin you might be a little bit worried considering how poor Dublin were last week going away to them surely to have something in them after their performance against Kilkenny I, I saw that match actually Willie um, and I was I have to say I was disappointed with Dublin um, you know yeah. Kilkenny didn't have didn't have anywhere near their full strength out now as I, you know, I explained this last week that would mean nothing in Kilkenny um, there's, there's a lot of quality players but what worried me a little bit about Dublin was um, you know, after last year, you would expect them to be, you know, on the right track um, this year. And, you know, uh, you know, Matty might say, well, look, you know, we got it wrong last year. Our timing was wrong and all of that. And I don't think that's the case. I think Dublin... That was an excuse. I said that on Monday, uh, Cheddar. Yeah. Yeah. Like their best performance of the year was against Galway. Uh, uh, they, they, the game before, and they got out of the Leinster Championship. Yeah, and if you look at it, we were talking about this last week. Um Dublin have the potential to really do something here. There's no, without a shadow of a doubt about that, they have all the right things to do with. But one of the things they need to do is start beating these big teams on a regular basis, not dissimilar to what Wexford are doing at the moment, and building confidence, self-belief in the way you play and about yourself and all of that. And I just thought that their 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 short game was was really short last Sunday, um, and their the pace of actually carrying the ball out of the defence was quite slow, and the distribution was very very poor, and they had some really you know you you was like Sebastian O'Rourke and that inside who were really skillful intelligent forwards, uh, but the type of ball that went into them 
and the quickness of the ball going into them that certainly wasn't going, going to suit him so I think Dublin really need to up their game here and start winning matches and I, I don't think I, I don't think I think Matty needs to change that around a little bit and not just you know loll through a league here and we're going to we're going to ramp it up then for the championship you know the, the Brian Cody I just keep referring back to him has done 20 years it is one I don't know many leagues he's won he's certainly played in 11 finals I think the only reason he's did it is because he knows it's the right way to to approach the championship, um, and and he knows that the conditioning and the way he's able to approach his team and all of that will get it right. Now there may be in some years he was just the team was so good it was going to win anyway, um, but but I'm just surprised the way Dublin are approaching that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I don't. I'm afraid to ask you pr- predictions on Limerick Galway in case we'll be here another ten minutes because we're nearly running out of time. <laughs> That's obviously a big one in the Gaelic grounds. Two favourites really based on our predictions to come out of that. Uh, come out of that division and Shane um, O'Neill going against his own his own county that'll be a big one I'm sure we'll talk about that that's on TG Catter on live um, live coverage just quickly a prediction on that Limerick or Galway I suppose a toss up really two good teams yeah I'd be going for Limerick personally I'm obviously very impressed with their with their second half against Tipperary but you know just listen to John Kiley again he's a, he's another one that you, you love listening to he, he acknowledged that, that you can't keep doing what they did the last day you know slow start in the first half he, he alluded said uh, I learned semi-final last year against Kilkenny too yeah. while he's pleased with the response and, and the way that they dug out a victory he still knows it's not going to be good enough come championship um, and I think you know in the Gaelic grounds I think they're going to they're really going to go for it Galway are still figuring out their team they're still figuring out mm-hmm. Uh, what's actually working for them um, so I just think Limerick will just have too much for them on this particular occasion so I'm, I'm looking forward to being down there I'm actually commentating on some oh you're doing that alright that's a good yeah, one to get uh, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a good one this doesn't feel like work Brian heading down to the Gaelic grounds certainly so. not <laughs> uh, just quickly no, the wife can't be given out now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can get to a match now and it's just work right so there's no complaint <laughs> nothing can be said at all it's fantastic I use it a lot Brian don't worry about that the cheddar just quickly I was reading about David Burke so David Burke went travelling. It, it's, it's a very funny one in that Galway have been out of action since last June, right? Competitive action. And it's, it's another interesting talking point in that they had no manager until November. So they were actually in limbo players. And you have to be highly motivated, I suppose, keep doing your gym work and stay ticking over when you have no manager or, or no one tracking you. Now, I know they have the same stra- S&C lads, so maybe they were being tracked. So I don't want to say too much about that. But it was interesting that David Burke went away travelling. And he came back, he went, must have gone away travelling. Um, he came back for the All-Ireland semi-final against Boris Ali, played that. He might as well have stayed where he was because he was completely anonymous in that game and then went back travelling again. And now he's going to come back from Galway. And I was think it was one player from Galway. He's such an inspirational leader for them. He needed that break, didn't he, Cheddar? Yeah, no, I'd agree, I'd agree with that. Um for David and and you know maybe for Galway but on the other side of that look it's not ideal um, to be starting late um, because you know the programs are they're, they're, they're so well refined now and there's a lot of science behind this in terms of, of you know when you need to start the pre-season how long it is um, you know when you switch over from from long speed to short speed and you know it was rather a conditioning person to explain this who was properly qualified in it and you know even your weeks are broken down into intense weeks non-intense weeks and when you tighten up that window it makes it much more difficult to get these things done in the scientific way yeah on the flip side of all of that um you're starting late a team is very very hungry um they want to get started and there's a great energy in the dressing room freshness yeah. there's a freshness in it and I can, and I can actually now that we just asked the question well, I can remember year one my first year going in with Leash um, we started very very late and uh, we, we we trained like animals we trained we doubled 
double trained uh, a lot of the time just trying to catch up but there was actually a great energy in in the whole thing just trying to, to get going and that now i qualify all what i'm saying and these were in division two at the time so you know you had a little bit of room to experiment and do things um, whereas in division one you look you have no room it's it's flat to the mat the whole time obviously Galway playing Limerick that just puts it into context um, but I, I think for Galway you know Galway obviously are are happy enough that they're going to stay in the league I wouldn't think that the league is there they'll, they'll want to win matches you don't want to lose matches we explained all of that last week but their real goal is winning Leinster and getting back on the championship train, uh, trail and getting another win another All-Ireland they probably have some players Willie that you know the, the years are you know the years are running out they need to make hey now while the sun shines um, so I think they have plenty of time to get there and uh, you know clearly they, they have the same conditioning people and there may very well be programs going I'd be amazed that there wasn't programs going on in the background where you know players were being tested and, and, and that and, and all of the right things to be done in the off season were being done um, it's just that they haven't come together collectively and there's no harm in that um, you know too much collective training can lead to sort of psychological fatigue with the teams sometimes yeah. and it depends on where you are and you know your level of motivation and where the team is and, and all of those things there's always context around these things you know one one fit won't fit everything yeah um so look i'll answer um i i think um certainly with the new management new energy and that in the dressing room i think i think they'll be okay and i think they'll their goals may be a little bit different they'll have enough in them to stay in the league that's all they'll want they'll want to win matches and, and pick some matches but i think on sunday i think Limerick will be just a little bit ahead of them in the preparations yeah okay brilliant stuff thanks very much lads we've gone over time as usual we'll be back on Monday and JJ and Michael are going to be in so we might talk to Michael a little bit about what's going on with Dublin hopefully after two losses in their first two games Cheddar <laughs> we'll talk to you then good luck well, when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going so it opened up we're running the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go,